Hey, this is Alex, and you're tuned into the Market Adventures podcast. It is Wednesday, March 3rd, and we're going to jump right into part two of my interview with Brendan Wood. You invest in Bitcoin. What do you see as the future? Like, give me, give me a two total, like, abstract, like, Brandon Wood, if you were to put it in a book predicting the future, what would you see our world being like? Because I know, uh, I don't know if you know who Nipsey Hussle is, but he was like one of the earlier people in the music industry to really promote cryptocurrencies, right? Because he saw a future in which you could go buy a house mm-hmm. using just crypto, right? There's no middleman. There's no nothing. It's just me and you do the transaction. There's no paying the government are paying this or paying that. Like that was the future he envisioned. What do you see for the future in terms of cryptocurrency and its relation with how we interact with each other? Well, here's one of the interesting things about cryptocurrencies that I think might be underappreciated by a lot of people in the space. And it's that code can't solve everything. So, you know, we've, <laughs> you want to, you were trying to build this like decentralized <laughs> financial network, right? That's, that oh. exists outside the stogy ivory towers of wall street and so on. But the more you do that, the more you realize that like the traditional system doesn't exist because um, it's not just because like somebody decided to build it that way. And that's all there was to it. There's usually reasons behind it. Like, you know, the fact that law and finance are so heavily intertwined, like there are reasons for that. And it's because when there are disputes, you need a mechanism for resolving those disputes. And that's something that's very lacking in cryptocurrencies and when there is a dispute and you try to do it it ends up uh, like an absolute horrible mess and that's something that cryptos have not figured out yet and i'm not sure what the solution is because at the end of the day it seems to come down to humans making decisions based on logic not based on code you know so just to give you an example of that um bitcoin you know the the original cryptocurrency uh there's actually not just one bitcoin there's a bunch of bitcoins now and they're they call themselves Bitcoin, except with like slightly different branding. There's like you know Bitcoin Classic and Bitcoin Cash and you know a Bitcoin Gold, and there's a few different ones. And you might think that's kind of weird. Well, how is that any different from just spinning up your own cryptocurrency? And the reason why it's weird is that these coins have a shared history up to a certain point. They were all the original Bitcoin, and at some point they forked, they went their separate ways, and that seems like a strange thing. How could that happen, right? And it happens because people who were participating in, in the networks had different opinions on how the network should be, right? <laughs> and so they couldn't reconcile their differences or come to any sort of community consensus. So they ended up forking. So the, the first Bitcoin fork happened um, when, uh, let me see, this was this was, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. But basically it was when the, the, the space on the blockchain was beginning to get filled up. You know, like there's only so many transactions that can get processed at a given time. There's only so much space available. Right. Um, and people were putting in more transactions than there was room to process on the blockchain. And so, you know, the people, the, the miners were essentially prioritizing the transactions that were paying them the highest fees. So it was turned into like a bidding process where you have to bid up the fees in order to get yourself included in, in the, in the blockchain. And that's what basically made it no longer possible to like buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin. Right. And so 
on one side of things, you had people saying, well, you know, we like the th- things the way they are. There should be a fee market for including transactions in the chain. It shouldn't be free to include them because there are costs associated with it. And the only way to, for there to be fees is for there to be scarcity, which means there's not enough space. So you have to bid it up. And now you have a fee market and you have an economy based around the fees, right? That's a decent argument. The other side of things, people saying, well, when you do that, then it defeats the purpose of Bitcoin, which was being able to like make transactions and like without a, without a middleman, right? You can't do that anymore if your fees are too high. And so they were saying the argument on the other side was that let's just increase the amount of space that's available in a given block so we can transit, we can have more transactions per minute or whatever. And the two couldn't reconcile. So basically, um, one side said, okay, we're going to make this change and we're going to start evaluating transactions based on this change. And the other side said, well, we're going to make sure we're going to mark things as invalid when you start doing that. And essentially you've got like these, this one network, which split in two. And one of them says, this is the truth. The other one says that is the truth. Everything is a shared history up until that point they split. And now it's different, you know? Okay. These two groups of people had differing opinions on what it should be. And they went their separate ways. Right. And the one that happened on Ethereum was similar, except it was like, there was a whole lot more at stake. Um, so there was, this was about five years ago. There was, um, because Ethereum is like programmable and it's based on smart contracts and stuff, people started writing code for the Ethereum blockchain to be able to run things. And someone had this idea of saying, well, why don't we create a decentralized autonomous organization? It's like a company, except there's no individual at the helm. It's essentially like they're going to issue tokens that represent ownership in this organization and people who own these tokens can then vote on proposals that are put to the organization and based on the results of those votes, funds will be allocated to certain projects which can then be executed on and so on. So essentially, it was like trying to create a headless company. And so this was done on Ethereum in 2016. And the way that they kind of booted it up was like they sold these these tokens that gave control of this smart contract, uh, like a kind of like a democratic process sort of thing. Um, and they raised a pile of money. It was like between 50 and $100 million, if I recall correctly. It's like this is like people basically funded this virtual organization by putting their Ethereum into the smart contract. And it was issuing them these tokens, which would give them voting rights over how this program would respond. So there's hundreds, you know, like – almost $100 million was like contributed to this by the community. And the whole idea was like, we don't need lawyers. We don't need, um, we don't need governments. We don't need any, anything outside the the blockchain. We're going to do it all here. And code is law. Anything that you can do in the code is the law. Right. And so they funded it and it's all fine and dandy for the first month or two. And then someone realized that there was a, a flaw in the code. And they found that they could actually trick the program into um, giving up the funds without having to go through the voting process to allocate the funds. And so they essentially just drained this entire fund of its money, right? And, you know, you could look at that and be like, well, if code is law and they found a way to make the code do this thing, well, then that's that's perfectly acceptable, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you you know, you said you didn't want lawyers involved and you only wanted contracts and whoops, there was, there was a bug in your contract. Clearly you didn't intend for it to do this, but it did. And there you go. Right. And so this caused a huge issue because at that time it was something like, uh, it was about 10% of all Ethereum in existence were like put into this contract. So this was like an existential crisis for Ethereum. Like, what do we do when like 10% of the people who have money invest in this thing, a hundred million dollars just get like wiped out and stolen. 
What do you do? Right. <laughs> and again, we had the same sort of thing where you had factions, right? One, one side said code is law. And as much as it sucks that, um, you know, people had their money taken from them in a way they didn't anticipate, they put their money into this contract and the contract did the thing that it was, that it, it was programmed to do. And it made that available and people pilfered it too bad. Next time, I guess we're going to have to have better controls on, you know, like detecting security defects, right? And the other side of it, they said, well, like, that's a lot of money and it's an existential crisis for us because so many people are getting fleeced by this. And what are you going to do? So you, there, there's no way you can, like, involve lawyers in this because there's, like, there's no jurisdiction. Who's going to lay down the hammer and say you have to give that money back? And how are you even going to trace the people who took it, you know? So what ended up happening was Ethereum forked. The same way that Bitcoin did. You had a bunch of people who said, we're going to keep running things the way they were. This hack happened and it happened according to the code that was there and that's legit. So there you go. And the other side said, no, we're going to roll back that transaction. We're going to go back and change the history of the blockchain and make it that so that that thing never happened. So that's what happened. And now there's uh, there's two Ethereums. There's you know Ethereum, the standard one. There's Ethereum Classic, which was the one which never rolled back those transactions. So it's like these two alternate realities at the same time. And it a lot of it boils down to like at the end of the day is like humans, you know, you try to put logic into code and make code law and you end up with these, these problems that you can't resolve other than, you know, just going your separate way. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, it doesn't matter how complex the code is. It's still, it's still a person behind it writing it and there are people it has to deal with. So you can't really avoid, you can't avoid that interaction somehow. That's right. Um, so I see the crypto space becoming more like the traditional finance space than uh, we might like. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's because, you know, you're stumbling over the exact same problems that um, the traditional finance space ran into 100 or 200 years ago. And they solved them by creating laws and jurisdictions and stuff. And, you know, even though you might not want to have that in crypto, it turns out there is some of that happening anyway, because the developers or the people who like are trusted by the community can make decisions and the community will follow them, even if it goes back and rewrites the history of the coin. So it turns out that it's not so perfectly immutable, you know? Yeah. And and even though it's, I mean, I guess it's, it's decentralized, but the way you're describing it, there are still, uh, I guess, influencers, there right? Maybe are. not. Yeah. Right. So there's at least some big heads in the space who, you know, may not be able to make the law, but if they lean on one side, they have a lot of people leaning with them. Um, that's interesting. But then, if you if you do have some kind of law, then there really has to be somebody has to have a back door, right? Or a consortium of people have to have a back door into the coin or the ledger or or exactly. whatever. Exactly. And how can you do that if there's no central control, right? Explain Dogecoin to me, because I mean, I had a Shiba. That's as close to Dogecoin as I understand. I had a Shiba who knew the dog. That's as, that's as much as I understand about Dogecoin. But please, can you? It's it's like the meme stock of cryptos. It was something that it was created because it was like silly, and it was never. I don't think anyone ever actually intended for it to have value. It was more created as like a way to mock Bitcoin, you know. And people but thought then, it was so funny that they started buying it and mining it, and now it's like one of the top coins out there, and it's 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 been remarkably resilient, you know. Even yeah. though people forgot about it for years, right? Like it's come right back, and it's just because oh, it's, it's been around for a while. It's oh, not yeah, like yeah, it's been around for a long time. 
No kidding. I thought it was. I I honestly I thought it was brand new. <laughs> I mean, the way that Elon Musk has been tweeting about it, I thought it was a brand new thing. So if he know if it's a meme coin, why would someone like him promote it on Twitter like that? He, you know, I have a theory he's about a troll, Elon. I know, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> my my theory about Elon is that he's finally realized that um, it's easier to make money by like manipulating prices than it is by to like create companies. Obviously, he's really good at creating amazing companies, but like he's at the point now where he's so popular that he can just like you know tweet a word like signal and like cause stock prices to go through the roof. You know, and it's and the funny thing is he's been the SEC has hit him how many times? Mm-hmm. They they've 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 reprimanded him so many times and it's like he doesn't he doesn't care <laughs> i mean if you have enough money i guess you really don't need to care yeah but that is super interesting no i i, I that's funny that you had that you had that same take on it that i had with elon he's a funny guy yeah I, yeah he definitely makes for entertaining uh news he's i think he's bored though i honestly think that's he probably might what bored. it is yeah i feel like a lot of people are bored you know like with the whole covid thing <laughs> Yeah. The markets have been going crazy, and like, why? What is the reason for them going crazy? Why should they be going up when the world is like undergoing a pandemic? And it's like, well, people are bored at home, and they have lots of disposable income because they're not eating out or traveling anymore, so they're yeah. buying stocks. <laughs> buying stocks and Dogecoin. Yes, and yeah. Dogecoin. Uh, but th- listen, Brendan, thank you for coming on and, and teaching us a hell of a lot more than I could ever uh, it, on on cryptocurrency. Um, and can you just let us know where we can where we can find you? Um, obviously, passive.com, like your co-founder Brendan was on a couple episodes ago. But where else can we can we find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and other than that, I'm not too much of a social person, so I'm not like on Twitter or anything like that. Um, yeah, yeah, Pro- probably for the be- probably for the best. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming on, Brendan. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was interesting. Have a good one. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the last two days hearing some cool Bitcoin history and what may become of the future of cryptocurrency. Safe investing and trading out there. And later today, I'm going to be making another deposit to my long term portfolio. Super excited for that. If you haven't already started one, then you must be new here. Get yourself a stock portfolio and start building for the future. I'll likely be adding AT&T because it's still at such a good price point, in my opinion. Anyways, I'll see you all tomorrow for an exciting day in the markets. Be well. And remember, as you begin searching for answers to life's challenges, don't seek security. Seek adventure. Adventure.